0: Recorded live. My Kirkland. Joe. Hey, what's happening, brother? It's done. You know, got some, all right, man. I, I just,
1: I just uh, prepared Raw for his uh, showbox performance against, uh, you know, with uh, Adam Lopez. Adam, yeah, I told him the strengths and weaknesses of both guys and what he got to do to win and all that shit and what the fight means. Hey, man, this is fucking Adam, man, he loses this fight. He sucks. He's
2: screwed. Yep. Yep, he's screwed. Yeah. This is uh, this makes him the mandatory challenger, man, for the WBA title. Is it 126?
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep.
2: Which is no. so? Who is the no, WBA 122. champion? 122. 122. Are they 122. doing it at uh, super bantamweight? This. Oh wow. He's gonna be. Holy shit. The, okay. Then what that means is then that. He'll be fighting Marino. He, that, that no. Not in no. Film of Marino, the other Marino. No. Nope. He's going to be fighting uh, the winner of Moises, uh, Flores, and Guillermo Rigendal, brother. <laughs> no, no, no. The, there's another champion there. Oh, dude. Hold on real quick. Man. Hold on,
1: man. There's another champion, Joe.
2: Man, nah, it's impossible to keep up with the WBA. Man, that's so much That's why I said it's a
1: fucking fraud, man. Yeah, there's another. Yeah, listen, listen. There.
2: Because Moises Flores is fighting Guillermo Rigondeaux on the uh, co-main event of um, Miguel Cotto versus James Kirkland, February 25th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. So. All right, man. So let's. Uh, you ready?
1: Yeah. Go ahead. Ready to rock. Ready to roll. All
2: right. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to an all new edition of War Week Radio, guys. Uh, this would not be an episode of a big Gogi's, uh <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Let me let me start all over. Gogie's big fight preview. That's it. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to an all new edition of War Week Radio, guys. Thank you for joining us. And this would not be an episode of Gogie's big fight preview without the man himself, three decade fight trainer, the one and only Mister James. Kogi, James, how are you doing this evening, brother?
1: Hey, Joe, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. We've got some great fights we're going to be going over that's coming up on HBO Pay-Per-View.
2: Yeah, obviously, these fights were announced, the two that we're going to break down. First, we're going to start with, oh, still my heart, back in the ring is <laughs> uh, going to be Miguel Angel Cotto from Puerto Rico, four-division world champion, future Hall of Famer. And, uh, well, one of the lone stars of the Rock Nation Sports Banner, right? He's going to be taking on <laughs> the Mendingo Warrior, Mr. James Kirkland. That's going to be the first fight we're going to be previewing. The second fight's going to be Gennady Golovkin versus Daniel Jacobs. Wow. Uh, so, guys, we're going to hear Gogi's thoughts. He's going to break down the strengths and weaknesses of all four fighters He's also going to define the keys of victory to all four combatants. And then he's going to pick, give us his, uh, well, initial selection of who he thinks is going to win these two respective fights. So, guys, let's get started. Uh, Saturday, February 25th at the Ford Center at the Star in Frisco, Texas, which is, well, the Dallas Cowboys practice facility. Apparently, it's become big business in Big D to come and watch the, well, Cowboys practice. (laughs) Uh,
0: So they built a stadium
2: around it. And, uh, well, to commemorate this, uh, or I guess to um, open the facility in, uh, well, in glamorous fashion, they're going to be staging Miguel Cotto versus James Kirkland in Big D. Uh, Gogi. Were you a bit surprised when this was announced? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, this had been a long time in the making. They had been trying to make this fight for several months. Be I say, Dare I say it, almost an entire year in the making. Your mm-hmm. thoughts on this, how you think this is going to perform on HBO pay-per-view. Um, your thoughts. Well, you know,
1: James Kirkland, The manager of James Kirkland, Mike Miller, you know, we're partners, uh, you know, we're very very good friends and partners on other fighters. And, uh, you know, he was keeping me abreast on what's going on. And, boy, it was frustrating trying to get this match done. Over the last year, Miguel, you know, kept on training, you know, changing his opponents. Oh, first he wanted to fight Kirkland. Then he didn't want to fight him. Then he wanted to fight Juan Manuel Marquez. Then he didn't want to fight him. Then he wanted to fight Lamont Peterson. I mean, golly, everybody was, was you know, a, a, a prospect. To fight
0: mm.
1: you know koto so they finally settled <laughs> with you know kirkman uh i think kirkman blew it the first time when he turned it down yeah he, he yep. didn't like the money and uh guess what he got the same money a year later <laughs> but anyway uh the fight i know the fight was gonna i know they were working on it and they finally got it done and you know dealing with rock nations like pulling teeth so uh oh uh, you know they got it done uh they did the uh what do you call it, the first press conference over there at the new uh, Dallas uh, Cowboys uh, practice facility in Frisco, Texas. And uh, James Kirkland is now reunited with Ann Wolfe. So, you know, hopefully, you know, he can get back to that form that made him that, you know, that animal, uh, that nonstop, relentless, uh, uh, aggressive, uh, you know, come forward, high-volume, punch-output fighter that people love to see. And he can hit with both hands, so... Then you got you know Miguel Cotto you know what I mean so you know wait a minute wait a
2: minute wait a minute he's not staying with Rick Morones Jr.
1: (laughs) Oh no that was a one time deal okay okay he (laughs) the results didn't the results didn't turn out to what uh, he thought it would be so you know he went back to uh, you know he went back to Ann and and you know Ann is the only guy that can train him okay Ann is the best you know like Ali. Dundee, okay, uh, yo, uh, Marvin Hagler, Goody Petronelli. There's always one fighter and trainer that you know they have that perfect chemistry, that perfect mesh, where they need each other to be successful. And Kirkland is that perfect uh, fighter for Ann Wolfe's type of training. Ann Wolfe can't train other any other fighters. Nobody would put up with that kind of crap the way she trains guys.
2: Okay, mm, it's brutal. Sparring twenty five rounds, yeah, a border, borderline, borderline inhumane, brother. <laughs> yeah,
1: sparring twenty five, sparring, sparring twenty five rounds, and uh, you know, doing all this crazy stuff, man. And there's no way uh, other fighters, uh, you know, uh, you know, she pretty much scares them away. But for Kirkland, yeah, you know, he he's been doing it since you know he was a, a youngster with her with her. So he's pretty much used to her his training style, and he needs that type of training, that animalistic type of conditioning. Uh, he doesn't have the greatest chin in the world and he needs that type of condition to recover, okay? When he gets knocked down and to come back stronger like he did in the Angulo fight when he got knocked down and, you know, and he weathered the storm, but he had that conditioning. Like he was telling Eric Gomez before the fight, hey man, you know, we were you know, we just sparred we sparred nineteen rounds last week. So, you know, that type of conditioning, Joe, that high elite level animalistic conditioning that she gets Kirkland in he's able to come back from those tough uh knockdowns that he can't recover if somebody else trains him like uh what's the guy? Kenny Adams when he got knocked out by Ishida. Mm. or yeah. know, San Antonio's best trainer, Rick Moronis when he got knocked out by <laughs> when he got knocked out by when he got knocked out by Canelo.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 well yeah, and that's a big problem for uh James Kirkland and obviously just from speaking to him in his camp when he was actually training in San Antonio in preparation for Canelo Alvarez, if that's what you want to call it. Well, he told me that, yeah, the reason why I chose Morones over, over, um, and Wolf is I want to be the boss. I want to call the shots. This is my Mm. career. This is my business. Um, and obviously, you know, he was, he wanted to pay his trainer less money. That had a lot to do with it. Well, you know, you get what you pay for, I guess, Gogi.
0: <laughs> uh-huh.
2: <laughs> because he got flattened in three rounds. Um, yeah, under the tutelage of Rick Mironas Jr., if that's what you want to call it. And yeah, it was, it was a, a an embarrassing performance. Um, he broke his hand in training leading up to that fight. And that's one of the reasons why he seemingly were, was pushing his punches, even in the pocket, even when he was able to back Canelo up against the ropes, Yeah, he just did not have the same pop, the same power. But he sure did have the same chin. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. I tell you what, let's focus right now then um, on the challenger, right? Let's go through the tail of the tape for Mr. James Kirkland. The Mandingo Warrior is going to uh, come into the ring at uh, age... um, well, uh, almost, almost 32 years old, or almost 33 years old. He's going to be turning 33 in March of uh, this year. So he's going to come to the ring at 32. Uh, he fights out of the southpaw stance, although you wouldn't know it because he always presses the action and squares up against his opponent. So is there even any southpaw advantage with James Kirkland-Gogi? Comes right at you. He don't mess around, Kirkland.
1: He, he don't botch it. He don't try to counterpunch you. He's you know once he you know gets you know once he shakes the uh, the cobwebs off the first few seconds, he's right on top of you. You know he's a piranha. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know what I mean? You know he's a pit bull, and he loves high punch, high volume punch output, and he likes to press the attack, 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 attack. That's what and that's how Ann trains him to attack, mm-hmm. attack, attack. Uh, but he ain't your typical pressure fighter, you know, uh, that those punches, and can't hurt you. This kid can hit with both hands and hurt you at any time during the fight. So Miguel Cotto, mm-hmm. if Ann gets him into that shape, which I think she's going to get him in, he could pull the upset that night and, uh, and retire Miguel Cotto.
2: Well, I tell you what, he's got to come into the ring at, a, at, um, at uh, he stands five foot nine inches tall in the center of the ring. He fights behind a 70 inch reach. From Austin, Texas, he comes into the ring with a record of 32 wins, two losses, 28 big wins coming by way of knockout, and it's notable, Gogi, that both of his losses were by way of knockout, embarrassing knockout. Keep in mind, James Kirkland has not been in the professional ring since May of 2015 as he got knocked out by Saul Canelo Alvarez. Jesus. So Gogi, the inactivity mm. of both men, um, because both guys haven't been in the ring since 2015, uh, is ring rust going to be an issue for either one of these guys, or is it just negate each other? Mm. When you're
1: when you're veterans like that, ring rust and uh, you know matter a lot. And Wade Kirkland, when he gets on top of you, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just throw, 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 throw. It ain't like a you know uh, a fighter that. That's a counter puncher, a boxer. You know that needs, you know uh, that, you know, to stay active a lot to keep that sharpness in his timing and rhythm. Okay, uh, when he throws combinations, when he counters, uh, Kirkland's just gonna get right on you, and he's gonna brawl. <laughs> and, uh, and God, he's gonna brawl. God bless him and, for it. <laughs> and and, and McGill Cotto, he better be in shape, and he better, uh, he better be ready to take. Uh, a, uh, a lot of adversity coming at him. Cause that's what Kirkland's going to be doing, putting a lot of trying, you know, trying to put a lot of hurt on him,
2: and everything. Yeah, boy, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be fun as long or is it short or as short as it lasts. Gogi. mm <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Two things of note though. Two things of note. Um, when I spoke with James Kirkland, um, he actually, Gogi, and this is going to sound really, really awful, but i it was hard not to notice how badly James Kirkland was slurring his speech. Is he, can he actually regain the form that he showed um, in his brilliant performance over Alfredo Angulo back in 2011? Keep in mind, this is a gentleman who's only fought Three times since 2012, and that was against the likes of Carlos Molina, Glenn Tapia, and Saul Canelo Alvarez. Three mm. times since 2012, Gogi, mm. and he and he sounds. Forgive me for saying this, but he sounds punchy. Mm. Is mm. James Kirkland a shot fighter at age 32?
1: Hey Joe, that last knockout by Canelo, boy, you know knockouts like that usually ruin you. But you know he got Anne. He, he 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 got Ann back. So I want to see. You know, uh, like I said, they got that perfect ch- chemistry when they were younger. Uh, you know, when they were a younger uh, team together. But this is different now. You know, now he's he's not twenty three. He's thirty three, and you know when you go up there in age, you know, you know your body just. Doesn't react like when you're younger. Like I said, this is a young man's sport. When you get old in this business, you know everything slows down. Your reflexes, your ability to take punches, uh, your your you know uh, you get cut easier. You know what I mean, stuff like that, Joe. So I want to see it. You know he got knocked out brutal, brutal by Canelo. And when you get knocked out that bad, God dog. I know he's had over a year and a half layoff, which is good. Raul Marquez did the same thing. You know after he got uh, stopped by uh, Fernando Vargas. Uh, which was a brutal uh you know uh, where the referee stopped it, you know, he took a lot of punishment in that fight, but he took a year and a half off before he came back. So his uh you know, his faculties, mental faculties were you know, were were were, were well rested. Okay. So Kirking's had a lot of time off, so uh, you know, he hasn't taken a lot of punches, uh, you know, uh the last he only said what, three, four fights the last four years or something like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, he you know, he you know he doesn't even though he got brutally knocked out that last fight, you know, he doesn't have a lot of miles on his engine because a guy, you know, he's not consistent, Joe. You know what I mean? Mm. He fights well, and he's not fighting.
2: Yeah, well, like I said, three fights since 2012, and who could ever forget that fight at the Reliance Arena in Houston, Texas? The famous, the infamous Carlos Molina DQ, right? At yeah, At the hands yeah. of third man in the ring, John Shorely, It was yeah. Carlos Molina was, seemed to be easily winning that fight. Dominated James Kirkland, knocked him down at the end of the round. Um, Carlos Molina gets up, and he seems to be clear-headed, and his trainer, before John Shirley is able to finish counting, gets in the ring because it's the end of the round, sees it, and immediately DQs Carlos Molina, even though he's winning that fight. So you could easily say, Make a case for James Kirkland losing two of his last three contests, you know, knocking out a, glam, a game Glentapia.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It, is, it is only convincing victory over the last yeah. four years, Gogi. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you what, let's look at the tail of the tape for the, uh, the star of the show. And that's going to be future Hall of Famer four-division world champion Miguel Ángel Cotto, who's uh, going to come into the ring at age 36. Wow. Fights out of the orthodox stance. He stands five feet seven. In the immortal words of Ricardo Mayorga, my pants are bigger than him. Yeah. (laughs) He he fights behind a 67-inch reach from Caguas, Puerto Rico. Um, but born in Providence, Rhode Island, USA. He comes into the ring with a record of 40 wins, five losses, 33 big wins coming by way of knockout. Once again, Gogi, his last outing in the ring, in the professional ring, was in November of 2015, in which he lost a controversial decision to Saul Canelo Alvarez. Gogi, please rattle off the strengths and weaknesses of Miguel Cotto, and, uh, yeah, is he going to be the same Miguel Cotto under the tutelage of Freddie Roach?
1: So, strengths and weaknesses of the guy, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, the future Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, in his prime, he was a great uh, boxer, puncher, brutal body puncher. That's, that's what he's known for, that left hook to the body, okay? Uh, you know, he's a veteran, been in all the big fights. This is nothing new to him uh he knows that you know he'll know how to handle himself in a tough fight uh you know you know he, he likes to work off footwork you know box him move around you move in circles move at angles uh you know work you know behind that jab then he puts his combinations together behind the jab Then you know once he, he he does most of his damage at close range joe he's a brutal puncher to that body and to the head with that left hook you know what i mean uh you know all, all around joe he's a you know he's a good fighter real real good fighter and uh but he's 36 years old, Joe. I mean, he's way past his prime. And uh, you're seeing a, a shell what McGill Cotto in his prime is. And, uh, you know, so basically, you know, is he going to be able to keep Kirk, Kirkland, Kirkland off him? No. You know, he don't have the legs to do that. Because <laughs> Kirkland, you know, he he puts that fast pressure on you. Or, you know, he doesn't let you breathe when, when he's on top of you. And McGill Cotto's going to you know, have to be like Canelo. He's going to get pinned on the ropes, and he's going to have to counter off those ropes and catch him with some hard shots, especially the left hook, uh, the left uppercuts, the body shots, you know, to hurt his, to hurt uh, Kirkland. Because Kirkland doesn't have the best of chin, so he figured, you know, it's pretty much going to be a duplicate of uh, of Canelo and everything, the fight with Canelo and everything. But he's got training in him now. So, you know, uh, my he's going to get hurt. He's going to get dropped. But is he going to be able to recover like he did in the past, like uh, when he fought Alfredo Angulo and forged ahead, and uh, you know, and uh, and start to wear McGill Cotto down because you know his age and everything. And you know, guy can hit now. Uh, Kirkland, so can Cotto. So that's why he's going to make this fight going to be explosive and everything, Joe. Bottom line, Joe, both fighters are going to get hurt, but who's going to have that conditioning and that mental toughness and that mental intestinal fortitude to come back? Uh, from the adversities when they get hurt, whether they get dropped or whether they get hit with a hard shot or whatever, okay, that's well, it's going to be a will battle of will.
2: Indeed, can't wait to see it, Gogi, <laughs> February twenty fifth yes. uh, in Frisco, Texas, at the New Cowboy Practice Facility. But here it is, Gogi, and I'm going to pose this question to you: After losing to Austin Trout in December of 2012, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Miguel Cotto wisely started working once again with Top Rank Inc. And he, they hired Freddie Roach, and you know, you know how Top Rank feels about Freddie Roach, right? Mm-hmm. So they actually, through crafty matchmaking, started mm-hmm. to really sell the idea that Miguel Cotto is a brand new man under the tutelage of Mr. Freddie Roach. Yeah, you know, stopping Delvin Rodriguez. Stopping Sergio Martinez, who was pretty much, you know, walking on feathers to start the contest, mm-hmm. looked like a broken man on stilts. Mm-hmm. Fought a shot Daniel Gil. Um and then we all saw. Well, he was competitive, and it was a great fight against Canelo Alvarez. But he never really looked comfortable in the pocket. He never looked like well the Miguel Cota that we're used to seeing. Yeah. yeah. So which which version will we see? against James Kirkland, the Mendinga Warrior. And this is going to start off your keys to victory for um, the future Hall of Famer, Mr. Miguel Cotto.
1: Now, same as Canelo. You know, Kirkland's going to pin him on the ropes. He's going to back him up. And going what's his name? He's going to have to hurt this guy and, and counter out the ropes, just like uh, Canelo did. Put him on his butt. And when he gets up, finish him off like uh, Canelo did. Pretty much a carbon copy, Joe. Of uh, uh, of what the Canelo fight is going to be with, you know, just like the Koto and Kirkland fight is going to be, just carbon copy of each other.
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Um, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. Is is can James Kirkland get out of the first three four rounds? Because yeah. with his conditioning, right, and he's he looks very very vulnerable. James Kirkland in every single one of his fights in the first two rounds. That's mm-hmm. just how he rolls. But his conditioning under under the guise of Ann wolf always takes him. And if if Kirkland can take you to the mid to late rounds, boy, look out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this should be a really really fun fight to watch. So. Um. Yeah, I think we all know what the keys to victory for James Kirkland is, don't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep.
1: That's it. Ground and town, Stay on top of you. <laughs> Wear you down. Wait till he lands that big right hook or that straight left hand.
2: And what's So let me him, ask you this though, Gogi. Let me ask you off. this though. Let me ask you this though, Gogi. In years past, Boyan has always said, you know what? Use your effing jab. Use your effing jab. And he never does. He often abandons it. When he does, though, when he does use the jab to penetrate that pocket, he looks awfully good. Is that a huge factor in, well, determining James Kirkland's success against Miguel Cotto?
1: Of course. Once he puts pressure on Cotto, if he goes in there naked without using a jab, he's going to get hit by them counter shots. But if you put that jab in his face, I will say when you're pressing, uh, pressing a guy, when you're pressuring a guy and you're back and you're closing the distance on him, and you put a jab in his face, you know there's a highly likely chance you're not going to get countered coming in. So what he got to do is he's got to put that jab in his face, even if it's a lot of touch jabs, just to blind Miguel Cotto, okay? Uh, where he needs to, where he, where can get that range to go to work when he gets in the inside. But if he just walks in straight, man, he's going to get countered. Uh get mm. caught coming in with hooks, uppercuts straight right hands, uh looping right hands, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? But if you put that jab in the McGill Cotto's face, it's gonna make McGill Cotto go go on the defensive, okay? It's gonna have 'em, you know, going back. And when you you know, when you're on the defensive, it's hard to counter when somebody has a jab in your face. So yeah, the jab. When you're a pre- pressure fighter, that's probably the main weapon, the most important weapon you gotta
2: use. Uh, to avoid getting hit less. Indeed, indeed. So, um, tell you what, I'm I'm trying to look for odds <laughs> for this fight, and um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, it, it's it's actually um, can't find any at this time. So, Gogi, yeah. what would you say the odds are if you had to if you were the uh, the handicapper? Where would you set the odds for this fight? Who's favored? And ultimately, please give us your pre-fight prediction for Miguel Cotto uh, versus James Kirkland. Figure five
1: to seven to one, eight to one. Uh, you know, Cotto would be favored and everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, because uh, you know, you know, he, he didn't get brutally knocked out last time by mm. uh, his last fight and everything. was Kirkland, he did so. And uh, as far as you know, my winning the fight. Oh, jeez. If Kirkland could get up and survive those knockdowns, if he gets knocked down, which I think he's going to do, and get up because of that conditioning and got him in uh, to, you know, forge ahead, I'm going with Kirkland because as the fight goes on, you know what I mean, Uh, he's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger and everything, and McGill ain't going to be able to keep up with that high punch punch volume output uh, pace that Kirkland's going to be putting at him and not only that with the power behind those punches, Joe. One shot, boom. You know what I mean? Kirkland just doesn't mm-hmm. throw every punch hard, Joe. He touches you with a lot of punches, you know, just to put it in your face, put it in your face, then boom, boom, boom. he will hit you with three hard <laughs> shots. But then he gets back, he gets back to, you know, he gets back on you by touching you with a lot of punches to set up them big bombs. And if he can set that type of pace, and if he gets hurt, main thing, Joe, if he can come back from, ad- from adversity meaning the knockdowns or the or, or getting hurt in the fight and forge ahead because Ann, that conditioning and got him in. I'm going with Kirkland for this fight, you know.
2: And there you have it. I tell you what, I did find some the odds in Gogi. Boy, you know your stuff because Miguel Cotto is a, according to, well, mm-hmm. several sites, Miguel Cotto is a 4.5 to 1 betting favorite, but mm-hmm. – with the betting differential, James Kirkland is at a plus 355, which makes him a live underdog going into this mm, fight. So there long you long have long it, long, guys. Yeah. Yep, very, very close. So there you have it, guys. The gogi thinks this is going to be, uh, well, the outcome is going to be based on the conditioning of James Kirkland. If he's in customarily um, and woof, Mendingo warrior type shape, well, look for Kirkland to possibly pull the upset in the mid to late rounds. Miguel Cotto, yeah. look for him to find success early and often within the first two, three rounds. Um, Gogi, tell you what, let's shift gears now. <laughs> yeah. Let's shift gears to New York, New York at the Big House, Madison Square Garden, the mecca of boxing. Saturday, March 18th on HBO pay per view. Be still my heart. Gennady Golovkin is going to defend his IBF, IBO, WBC, and WBA trinkets against Daniel Jacobs, the miracle man. Uh, Gogi, this was setting this up. Before we start talking about the strengths and weaknesses of both fighters, this was a very difficult fight to make where you almost had to question why on earth? I know this was somewhat mandated by the WBA um, because Daniel Jacobs is the regular middleweight champion in the WBA. (laughs) But that's pretty much meaningless. So why on earth did they spend so much time trying to make this fight happen, K2 and Al Heyman? Why did they feel like this was the fight to make at the current time for Gennady Golovkin?
0: Well,
1: number one, you know, Gennady, uh, from what Abel told us before, he didn't want to, he didn't want, Gennady wanted all the belts. He didn't want to lose that WBA belt if he didn't defend it. Okay. Uh, number two is, you know, they had a hard time finding an opponent to fight, uh, Gennady. Nobody wanted to fight him. And, uh, I mean, seriously, nobody wanted to fight him. So, uh, when this guy, when there was a remote possibility that, uh, Jacobs would step up to the plate, yeah, you, know, you know, it took him a while to get everything done. And, uh, and Al, you know, Al, you know, Al, you know, is his manager and everything and, uh, he negotiated and everything and, nego- you know, Al, one thing, uh, I, I talk bad about him, but one thing I, he does is he negotiates, uh, very, very good for his fighters. He makes sure his fighters get paid. And, uh, even if it's prolonging a negotiation, you know, and, uh, putting the fight off, uh, longer, he'll, you know, he'll do it, you know, but, you know, I'm pretty sure Danny got money, uh, that, you know, that he's been looking for and, uh, just Joe, man. You know, nobody nobody wants to fight this guy. Everybody time. Ta- every, you know, you, we we've talked about it. Chavez Jr., Billy uh, Billy Joe Sanders, uh, Chavez Jr., uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All these Chris Eubanks Jr., all these clowns. You know, that talk big, and you know, in, you know, in this uh, you know era of boxing, you know, nobody wanted to get in the ring with them. And uh, now, you know, Danny Jacobs. You know, took him a while. You know, I I had I was kind of reluctant. Uh, Thinking this fight could be made, but it it was made. It's going to be on HBO pay-per-view, the Madison Square Garden where Gennady Golovkin packed it the last time he fought over there, and I expect another you know sold-out crowd over there because of uh,
2: you know the magnitude of this fight. Absolutely, and one of the big uh, roadblocks in trying to actually make this fight a reality was that according to the WBA bylaws. Daniel Jacobs was only entitled to 25% of the purse. Uh. Well, that was fine with K2 Promotions (laughs) and Team Golovkin, but uh, apparently Daniel Jacobs, as well as Al Heyman, even though this gent isn't a big ticket seller, not even in his hometown, um, felt that he deserved more than 25%. And they, well, were lobbying for a big 40% of this massive purse uh mm-hmm. gogi apparently they didn't get that but they did get even though it hasn't been disclosed as of yet we're going to wait and find out from the new york state athletic commission how much this purse actually is but i guess it's somewhere in between 25 and 40 i i'm assuming that he's getting a third somewhere between 30 and 35 percent for this uh mm. gogi do you think that's fair for a fight of this nature
1: uh, so i don't know you know Fair is uh, subjective,
2: you
0: know. Uh,
1: but, you know Al, Al Heyman and his people, yes, it's fair. Golovkin and his fans, no, it's not fair. But bottom line is they got the fight done. They got the fight done, Joe. And, um, hey, you know, uh, it's gonna be. A, I think it's going to be a damn, damn good,
2: excellent fight. Absolutely. So uh, I tell you what, uh, without further ado, let's take a look at the tail of the tape for the incumbent champion, and the well big ticket seller, even in Jacob's hometown, Mr. Triple G Gennady Golovkin, he's going to come to the ring at age 34. He uh, fights out of the Orthodox stance. He stands five foot ten and a half inches tall, fights by a 70 inch reach. Originally from Kazakhstan, now residing in the city of the Angels, Los Angeles, California. He comes into the ring with a perfect record. Of 36 wins, zero losses, 33 big wins coming by way of knockout. Gogi, this is going to be when the fight takes place on March 18th. This is going to be Gennady Golovkin's longest period of inactivity in quite some time, mm. maybe even since turning pro. He hasn't fought Gogi since September. Of 2016, when he beat the pants off of Kelbrook Brook in a very, very entertaining scrap, um, two things: Gogi is the inactivity going to affect a 34-year-old Gennady Golovkin, and will we see against Daniel Jacobs, a real middleweight fighter? Will we see the same reckless version of Gennady Golovkin?
1: You know, Joe. He's he you know last year he only had like two fights but the uh year before he was pretty active. I don't think it's going to you know uh you know activity is going to inactivity is going to hurt Glover. And a, the guy had a big amateur background went right, over 345 350 amateur fights uh you know silver medals in the Olympics. Uh you know highly decorated amateur uh you know you see what he's doing right now he's hurting destroying everybody. Uh I don't think that, you know, that, what do you call it, the uh, being, you know, six months, by the time the fight starts in March, it's going to be six months before he, uh, before he fought again and everything. He might, you know, take him a round or two to get warmed up. But once he gets going, yeah, uh, the rust will come off and everything. But, yeah, you know, Golovkin, like I said, you know, shit, he's been fighting all his life, you know, all those amateur fights, the pro fights, yeah. I don't think it's going to bug him at all, Joe.
2: Yeah, he's a, he's a specimen. He always stays in shape even yeah. when he is and we saw this even when he didn't have a fight on the calendar and they were still trying to negotiate this. He was in camp with coach Abel Sanchez. Mhm. Yeah, this guy is a machine and there's a reason why he's 36 and 0 with 33 knockouts. <laughs> so Gogi, yeah. what are the strengths and weaknesses of the incumbent champ, Triple G?
1: Oh, shit. Obviously, it's his physical strength and punching power. ho! Oh, that separates him from everybody in the world. I mean, in the middleweight division, okay? And all other, you know, weight divisions, uh, you know, what makes him a, a dangerous fighter is just you know, incredible, you know, uh, heavy-handed punching power this guy has. Uh, big amateur background, like I said, Joe. Big amateur pedigree, 350 amateur fights. And... I know it's only amateur fights, but got to lead, Joe. He fought at the highest level when he was in the amateurs. You know, he fought in the Olympics. He fought in the world championships, uh, the European championships. He fought, you know, all the top-level top, top, top amateurs, you know, all different styles, high level, you know, at the highest level and everything. Uh, this guy, because of his great amateur background, this guy has, uh, you know, developed great boxing skills, uh, footwork knows how to use his footwork professionally, moving in and out of range, moving in circles and angles, knows how to work his jab professionally. okay, uh, to initiate his uh, plan of attack. You know what I mean, Joe? Uh, you know, he understands uh, working at range, uh, boxing at range, very, very uh, effectively, you know, because of that big amateur background. You know, you know stuff like that, Joe. Uh, you, know, you know, his all-around uh, game uh, oh, in the pocket now. Well, like I said, before he went to Abel Sanchez, he was pretty much a long-distance fighter, just fought at range, because that's what most European fighters, Eastern European fighters are taught. They're not taught to fight in the pocket like Mexican fighters, okay? They're taught to fight at range. And uh, so when he got to America, you know, I first thing I noticed right off the bat when he started fighting for fight, uh, fighting uh, for Abel, I said, okay, now he's got both... Now, now he's becoming a complete fighter. When I saw tape of him, you know, uh, before he came, before he came to Abel, he was just a, you know, pretty much a one range fighter, and that's range. Every time he got into, in the pocket at close range, all he would do was just tie you up and hold you. But when he got to Abel, oh, all that tying up and holding, holding you and smothering you, it, it came to an end. When he got in the pocket, he started landing them Julio Cesar Chavez type. Short, compact blows to the body and to the head with hooks, overhand rights, uppercuts, and putting them, putting those com them short, sharp, crisp, compact combinations together with those powerful, uh, with those powerful punches. He, you know, he with the, with the power he delivers, uh, uh, the ferocious power he delivers. Okay, you know, be- instead of just like I said, before he got the A ball, he would do is just smother you, hold you and wait for the ref to break it and take it back out of range and, you know, go back to your, his boxing. But when he, got in the, when he gets in the pocket now, oh, boy, he fall, he's fell in love of, of fighting in the pocket because he knows when he gets in the pocket he can throw his most devastating punches, uh, the vicious body shots, the vicious uppercuts, right or left, uh, the little short right hooks, the left hooks, the little looping overhand rights, the, uh, the, the lead looping overhand left. This guy hit you from all angles, Joe, at close range. Uh, could throw every punch proficiently at close range. And when, like I said, when he got to Abel, he started becoming a complete fighter. That was that's what was missing from his arsenal was the inside game. And once he learned that from Abel, okay, he could go outside or he could go inside. He could press the action or he could get back and box you and, and break it down with that jab before he starts uh, pressing the action to uh, to take it in the pocket. Yeah, Joe, this is all around game and. Uh, yeah, everybody underestimates Gennady, okay? When he fought Kell Brook, yeah, you know, he didn't respect Kell Brook's power. So he just, you know, wanted to go in there and, uh, you know, and, and maul him, uh, jump on him quick and land some big blows and get him out of there, you know, which he did. And he took some punches. He took some punches in that fight. But the thing is, Joe, when a guy can't hurt you, you know, you're not going to respect him. And as soon as Kell Brook hurt, uh, hit him, you know, oh, man, this guy's... He ain't gonna hurt me. I'm gonna walk him down and I'm gonna
2: I'm gonna knock him out. Yeah, it's that seemed to be the case. And Abel Sanchez, he wasn't very happy with that part of it. But, mm. you know, he knew he knew that the that the outcome was well seemingly inevitable, and that, that was the case, that it was just a matter of time. Um we'll see, according to Gogi, whether or not he's gonna use those same keys to victory. But mm. uh, let's take a look now at the tail of the tape. For the challenger, Mr. Daniel Jacobs, Uh, the Miracle Man is going to come into the ring uh, at age 30. He fights out of the orthodox stands. He stands six foot even in the center of the ring. He fights behind a 73-inch reach from Brownsville, Brooklyn, New York. He comes into the ring with a uh, very good record of 32 wins, one knockout victory, or one knockout loss. At the hands of Dimitri Pirog. And 29 big wins coming by way of knockout. So Danny Jacobs can punch. But, boy, he got knocked out with a fighter who uses a very similar style to Gennady Golovkin. Was that foreshadowing? Was that an ominous sign of things to come if you're a Daniel Jacobs fan, Gogi, Please give us the strengths and weaknesses of the miracle man from Brooklyn, Danny Jacobs.
1: Oh, Danny J is athletic, explosive, fast, sharp, crisp combinations, okay? Uh, he's big, strong middleweight, too. He ain't no small middleweight. Uh can take you out at any time if he, he can hurt you, okay? Uh, you know, all around Joe, this guy is a good all around athlete. Those fast, sharp, crisp combinations of the body and head can hurt you at any time, okay? Now, this is going to be. It's not like Kel Brook. This guy has the ability to hurt you and get your attention real quick, okay? Golovkin is not just gonna walk walk right at Danny Jacobs uh, naked with no jab, no head movement, and because and, if he gets hit by one of you know, some of them shots coming in, it ain't gonna be Kel Brook. You know, this is a this is a guy that can hurt, uh, get G- Gennady Golovkin's attention uh, and hurt him, okay? Uh, Jacobs is best when he's working at range, okay? Going the fast, sharp combinations behind that jab. Uh when he get uh, when once he uh you know gets in closer, like a medium range, he will start ripping them body shots. Uh then the uppercuts, the hooks, everything. You know, the guy is just a you know, he's just a you know, a, uh, a phenomenal athlete, you know. And uh when you're athletic and you got talent like that, you could do you could do all this stuff. That limit that limits people that are not as talented, okay? But uh his weaknesses is his chin. I don't think he takes a good punch. He got knocked he, he, he got knocked out bad by uh Piroff. Piroff and he got <laughs> dropped by uh Sergio Sergio uh I think Sergio Moore. He got he got dropped by and everything. So I don't think he takes a good punch and everything. And he has you know, no inside game at all. He don't know how to sit officially in the pocket and fight with a high degree of world-class skill like G- Gennady Golovkin does in the pocket. You know, he doesn't know how to set his feet good. He doesn't, uh, you know, he smothers you. He ties you up. He doesn't know how to, uh, you know, he doesn't have a good stance, uh, good fundamental stance, you know, hands up, uh, elbows tucked in, uh, and he doesn't know how to throw those sharp, crisp combinations, compact combinations like G- Gennady Golovkin in the trenches for long periods of time. Okay, he'll, he'll, he'll get inside ripped some body shots and stuff like that or some uppercuts and he'll take it back on the outside or he'll smother you if he can't take it back on the outside. You know, he's not a real technical, uh, uh, skilled fighter in the pocket, but at range, yeah, he's good as you get, man. The fast, sharp combinations and uh, the counter punches, Joe, uh, you know what I mean? The uh, footwork athleticism. Yeah. 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 He's a blue chipper, Joe. He's a, you can see why he's a, he's a, Yeah, he's a, he's a top of the line world-class fighter.
2: Indeed, his last two fights, Gogi. Now, yeah. now keep mm-hmm. in mind, he had a very healthy 2015, fighting Caleb Truax, Serio Mora, and Peter Quillen all in the same year, stopping yeah. Peter Quillen in just well less than two minutes of action.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to be. But careful.
2: it. But in 2016, very inactive, only fighting Mr. Serio Mora. Um, Gogi, is this going to prove to be detrimental against the very, very hard-punching Gennady Golovkin?
1: Yeah, Joe, there'll be some rust in the early rounds, you know, but once he gets going, you know, athlete, you know, super, you know, a superior athlete, you know, the rust will come off and, you know, like I said, Joe, his timing and rhythm might be off a little, but, you know, his athletic talent, you can't you can't take that away from him. He'll never lose that. Explosive punching power, fast, sharp. Mm-hmm you know, reflexes. You know, Joe, he's God-given. It's all God-given talent. You can't teach all that stuff. And might be some rust, but, you know, once he starts, you know, getting in the groove and stuff, all that stuff will be washed away.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, but here's here's what I'm actually... um, Here's what I'm actually considering, right? Do you actually have the luxury of getting through the ring rust in the opening rounds against a guy like Gennady Golovkin? Can you actually English. afford to have ring rust for even one or two rounds? Do, well, Joe, do you have that learning curve? <laughs> Joe, this guy can hit. This guy's
1: explosive. Gennady knows that. And he's not just going to go come right at you like he did Kel Brook. He's going to show him some respect like he did David Lemieux. And you're going to see pretty much a carbon copy type fight where he's using his footwork to move in and out of range so he doesn't get hit by. Uh, Jacobs, that big left hook or that right hand or the mupper cuts or body shots. He's going to be moving in and out of range, using his footwork proficiently, you know, to uh, not only get hit by those punches, but to disrupt Jacobs' timing and rhythm and his distance, okay? Uh, don't let, you know, not not to be so predictable uh, and stay in one spot, okay? And then, uh, you know, when he gets back in the range, you know, that jab is going to be, you know, that jab is going to be, you know, Golovkin's jab is going to be you. Know, that's going to be the start of the breakdown process. And that's why I – but the thing is, this guy is so fast and explosive. You make mistakes. Uh, he's so fast and explosive. You know, he's athletic, Joe. He's got great eyes. He'll see it and he'll counter. And this dude has the ability to hurt you at any time. So that's, that's why I said, you know, Golovkin ain't going to – me, this guy has the ability to get your attention. Like, like I tell yeah. everybody, Genn- Gennady is a, uh, he's a bully. And if you can't get his attention in the early rounds, meaning, you know, one, two, or three, and hit him with some hard shots to get his attention and respect, well, what do bullies do, Joe? They take your lunch money. And that's what
0: (laughs) Gennady is (laughs) going
1: to do if Jacobs doesn't get his attention, respect early. If if Golovkin don't think this guy can hurt him, he's going to go walk him down and bully him and take his lunch money.
2: Well, I'll tell you what—it's going to be really intriguing, Gogi. Let's take a look at the betting odds for this one. Uh, <laughs> well, as as it stands right now, and who knows? Depending on where the money actually falls, um, the odds could change uh, when the fight finally happens on March 18th. But as it stands right now, Gennady Golovkin is the wide betting favorite at seven and a half to one. With the betting differential, Danny Jacobs is at five-and-a-half to one. He's a five-and-a-half betting underdog, right? So that puts him at a plus 550. Gogi, do you agree with those odds? And, yes. um And how do you see this fight playing out, sir?
1: I agree with those odds, you know. Uh, you know, I, I would have to pick Kenny uh, Golubkin because of his, you know, just all-around game. You know, like I said, Joe, because of his amateur background, he knows how to fight at range proficiently. Okay, using his footwork, moving in and out of range, uh, uh, working that jab proficiently. Okay, he under, he he knows distance very well. Okay, uh, so Jacobs, you know, you didn't have that big amateur background pedigree. He had a big amateur background, but not like Golovkin. And I will say, a guy like Golovkin with that big amateur pedigree and uh, just that international experience, boy, just Oh, it just—it just takes you to another level as a fighter. I've seen it, you know, with the amateurs when they fight on that international level, you know, because they pretty much get to fight different styles they never see in their own country. But anyway, uh, like I said, uh, yeah, the odds are pretty accurate, you know what I mean. Uh, and uh, want me to talk about how this fight I think is going to play out?
2: Absolutely, sir.
1: Well, it's going to be pretty much like Lemieux. Uh, when he fought Lemieux he's not just going to come he's going to have some respect for Golovkin I mean for uh, Danny Jacobs you're going to see him use his footwork moving in and out of range proficiently you're going to see him you know work, work his jab proficiently you're going to see him take away Danny, uh, Danny Jacobs' jab when, he th- when, he, when Danny Jacobs jab you're going to see him part with his you know pick the jab part with his right hand and jab back uh, double jab back you know what I mean just to take Danny Jacobs' uh, jab away. He understands that Danny Jacobs, you know, he works off his jab proficiently. But if you could take away away his jab by countering it effectively, you know, it kind of like, uh, especially Golovkin, you know, if you throw a jab at him and he picks it and jabs back or pars it and jabs back and hits you with that jab, or it's like getting hit with the right hand. And uh, his jab is like getting hit with the right hand. And uh, when you get hit with one of those uh, counter, you know, counter-jabs by Golovkin, you're, you know, and you and you get hit with it consistently, it's going to make you hesitant on throwing that jab. <laughs> so me, I think he's going to, you know, move in and out of range, you know, just get that jab going in there. Just get that jab, you know, start getting that jab to get in the rhythm, to get his distance right, okay, uh, to land. Uh, you know, once he gets his jab going, gets his distance right, then you're going to see all those weapons in his arsenal he's going to unleash. Uh, Jacobs, you know, he's going to try to box and move, uh, use his athleticism, keep everything at at range and counter effectively at range. Uh, You know, Golovkin does a jab. He's going to counter with a right hand over the top. That's one thing Danny Jacobs does real good. He's got great eyes. Uh, If Golovkin gets reckless and walks in like he did Brooks, he's going to check him with that left hook. He's going to check him with that right uppercut coming in. You know what I mean? Straight right hand. He's going to hit him with sharp... He's gonna hit him with sharp explosive combinations, just like Kel Brook did. But but a lot more effect. So Golovkin is gonna be moving in and out of range. Just to disrupt that timing and rhythm where uh Jacobs can't get a feel uh, can't get a feel of where his gonna be and he can't get that timing down he needs to throw them sharp counters. Uh to lead with combinations, okay? Because you know when you got a guy moving in and out of range like Galefkin. Yeah, it throws your timing and rhythm off. Okay. When you know, you know, when you think he's coming in and you want to counter, all of a sudden he's out of range, you're like, oh, okay. Then when he comes back in range, he's puts that jab in your face, and when you try to counter, he's back out of range, you're like, Oh, jeez. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, 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 it throws your timing and rhythm off. That's what you know, if you know how to use your footwork proficiently like that, it's gonna it's gonna break you know, it's gonna disrupt your timing and rhythm to counter and that's what Jacobs wants. And Jacobs wants to land that jab. He wants to establish that jab, throw them fast, sharp combinations, keep everything at range as far as possible because that's where his safety zone is going to be at. Okay, counter at range as far as possible. Stay off the ropes. Stay out of the corners. Okay, that's where Golovkin wants you, where he can pin you on the ropes. And when he when he's on the ropes, huh, Daniel Jacobs is, you know he fights amateurishly. You know, he mm-hmm. you know, stands straight, straight up, up. So, yep. shoulders square. Uh, chin up in the air. I mean, he's amateur, you know what I mean? That's where Pierog caught him. <laughs> yep. Even in the corners. He do not know how to fight proficiently. He doesn't have any skill sets on how to fight in, fight on the ropes or in the corners. And uh, I just think, you know, Gennady is just, you know, it's going to be a more difficult style of Lemieux because this guy brings a lot more to the table than Lemieux. More athleticism, more explosive punching power, uh, counter punching and all that other stuff. So he's got to figure out how to neutralize all that. And and, and and get keep getting hit to a minimum by all those sharp, web, sharp explosive weapons that Jacobs has, and you know, when, me Joe, you got to break his timing and rhythm and everything. You got to you got to prevent him. Uh, you got to you got to make him hesitant. And, and to me, I would counter too. I would counter with that jab a lot. Bust him up. That's getting Golovkin's, That's how he starts the breakdown process. Is that jab. Punishing jab, it keeps nailing with you. And it's like getting hit with a right hand. If you consistently get hit with that, ooh, it's going to bust your face up. slowly as the rounds go on. Then when Golovkin sees that and, he start, and you start slowing down, he's going to start ripping them body shots, that, you know, soften you up, soften you up. Then he's going to start going upstairs with the hooks, the overhand rights, okay, the uppercuts, you know. Then he's going to come back down to the body, uh, you know, to, to wear you down and everything. You know, he's just a, a, a fabulous uh, all around fighter, uh you know, with a uh, high boxing IQ that knows how to break it down uh at the elite level, okay? And you know, like I said, when he when Abel came to Able and Abel taught him the inside game, like all the great Mexican fighters like Chavez Senior, Julio uh Jose Luis Castillo. When he taught him that, and his game went to the next level because hey when he got in the pocket, hey, I got some more I got more weapons to my arsenal I could, I could do to damage you, uh, the uppercuts, the body shots, and all that stuff we talked about. Instead of before when he did, didn't have able, all you would do was tie you up. You know, There's so many options this guy could do to hurt you. And Joe, shit, this guy can hit like a mule, man. All you got to do is hit you one time, and that's it. So just a multi-variety of methods. Uh, Golovkin can destroy you. But it's going to have to start with his footwork and, and that punishing jab to break you down first. And once he starts punishing you, then then he'll counter you effectively. Then once he sees that, you know, him moving in and out of range, that you're being hesitant to get off or counter, then he'll start putting the pressure on you and everything. You know what I mean? But, uh, but you know, yeah, will think you, Joe. That's what I'm trying to say. So, Gogi,
2: what round <laughs> is this one going to be over?
0: Mm, eight to nine rounds,
2: Joe cuz really Daniel Jacobs in the late rounds really 7 to seven, 7 to 9 yeah i mean
1: this guy's athletic he's explosive joe he's smart, you know and he's also smart but i just think uh Golovkin's smarter than him you know uh, because of his amateur background uh you know uh you know all the skill sets he uh developed uh you know coming up in the amateurs you know he just he knows how to fight at range very effectively you know uh, and, and, you know, you've seen it in the Galeflin fight. You know, you seen multiple. You just didn't see that come forward and come forward and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, get hit and, and him hit the other guy back. Against Lemieux, you've seen a guy who was, you know, technically brilliant with his footwork, with his jab, uh, with his boxing IQ to break you down. The body shots in the pocket the uppercuts, the hooks, the looping overhand rights, everything, Joe. And, like I said, when he hits you, oh, Oh, you know, he, when he hits when he hits Jacobs, oh, Jacobs is gonna once he hurts Jacobs, ball game's over. Okay, Jacobs is gonna go, oh my God, you know what I mean? I don't think he's gonna, you know, I don't think he's gonna have that heart to, you know, or the or the mental toughness to fight through that type of adversity. To get, to, you know, to that me- mental intestinal fortitude to, to, to fight that through through that type of adversity when he gets hit by Golovkin. Because when Golovkin hits you, hey man, it changes everything, Joe you know, your attitude changes the most. Like, oh, shit. Fear sits in. You know what I mean? You know, that's what I mean. It changes everything. Once he hits you, it's like, oh, God. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? That's what I think is going to happen to Jacobs once he gets hit and everything. And uh, if, if Jacobs hits Golovkin, I think this kid's chin is solid. Rock. Okay? Solid. Concrete. Okay? I think he'll be able to take it, but Just like any rock out there, you keep on hitting it, it's going to crack. You can't be getting hit consistently by Jacob's big, sharp counters, that big right hand, that big left hook. You can't get hit consistently with it, okay? Bottom line, Joe, yeah. When you do get hit by a shot, a big right hand, big left hook, what do you do? You make that defensive adjustment. That's called boxing IQ. Andre Ward, Floyd Mayweather, uh, Terrence Crawford, they have that ability to adapt. Okay, because of their high boxing IQ, you know, defensively they make those adjustments. And I think that Golovkin, too, has the ability to do that.
2: Well, um, there you have it. Gogi likes Golovkin in the, uh, with a late-round stoppage. But, from the, from, the nine. Uh, he, from between round seven or nine. Guys, uh, we want to thank you so much for tuning in to Gogi's big fight preview of uh, Miguel Cotto versus James Kirkland and Gennady Golovkin versus Danny Jacobs. Guys, in case you missed any part of this show, you can always check us, find us on our YouTube page. Guys, be sure to comment, like, and subscribe. Thanks again for tuning in to War Week Radio, and we're going to be on uh, next week, breaking down Carl Frampton versus Leo Santa Cruz, as well as, well, <laughs> as well as Mikey Garcia and of Zlatichinen. So, guys, mm. tune in for that. We're going to break down both those fights next week. But thanks again for tuning in to War Week Radio. On behalf of Mr. James Gogi. I'm Joseph Heron. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good evening.